Welcome to Hard Drummer Gaming. I think I just hurt my hand. The podcast about stuff. In this episode, I will be talking about Superman 4, The Quest for Peace. I just got finished watching it um, a few moments ago, but we'll get to it. Um, as far as what I've been up to, just being miserable from day to day, trying to cope with my depression. I had a, I had a psychiatrist who was giving me meds. He was pumping me full of meds. And then I don't, I don't remember if I said this already, but he, one day he was like, I'll be retiring at the end of the year. And I was like, oh, congratulations. And he didn't even say thank you. So I I think he was ousted out of his job or his position. I'm assuming he was ousted. So I was like, congrats on retirement. And he just kept on going. He's like, yeah, I'll be retiring. Um, So I don't know. And that was the end of last year like December last year, 2021. So I finally get a call in April 2022 from a lady. She's like, um, Dr. Blah, 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 retired. So um, I'm now reaching out to da, 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 da. And I was like, I'll call her back eventually. I didn't call her back. I haven't called her back. And I'm nervous too. And now she's gonna. She's probably gonna think, "Why didn't you call me back? It's been like eight years," and I don't know what to tell her, quite frankly. And I'm I'm nervous to call her. I probably won't ever call her. Um. That's what's been going on with me. I have been working at Amazon part time. My body is just constantly thrashed for hours at a time, and. The job, as you can imagine, is very tiring. Um, it's manual labor on steroids. And fortunately, I guess, at my facility, we only work four hours at a time. If they're low on work, they could, they force you to work three hours, which A, is good, but B, bad, because you get paid for three hours instead of four And if they're very busy, they mandatorily push you to five hours. Um, It's not the best situation, but you got to work to eat. And you got to eat to live. But who wants to live? I don't know where I was going with that. But before, I have all these thoughts. I think I say this every episode. My memory is so trashed. That I think I say the same exact things every episode. And the only thing differentiating every episode is the movie at the end. And the movie beat. By the way, I, I'm going to start calling the the segment where I talk about the movies I've watched the movie beat. Because I'm a drummer, see? Um, and to differentiate from it being the movie Corner, I'll be calling it the movie beat. Also, Ralph Garman of K-Rock and Los Angeles fame. He used to have a segment on K- 
on K-Rock called The Movie Beat. No copyright infringement intended. What else has been going on with Ami? Nothing. Let's move on to the movie Beat. First movie I want to talk about is Moonshot. And I, 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 I kind of wanted to make this... Actually, before I start, I want to mention that I am currently recording on a, on a brand newly purchased Blue Yeti microphone. This podcast is not and will likely never be sponsored by anyone because this podcast is so depressing. I, I can't imagine anyone sponsoring this podcast. Maybe, um, what medication am I on? Not Prozac. Um, Jesus Cristo. I forgot. So that joke fell through very quickly. But, um, so I I was I was watching a purchased a a course I purchased on audiobooks. And one of the mics she mentioned was a Blue Yeti microphone. And I've heard about this company for years, especially in podcasting. Blue Yeti, Blue Yeti, Blue Yeti. And I, I don't I didn't know much about it, but she said the Blue Yeti is fine for recording audiobooks. And obviously your situation's gonna differ. If you have a treated room or a closet, if you have outside uh, outside noise. Everyone's situation is going to be different. So some people it's going to be impossible. But she's like, the Blue Yeti, I'm recording on it right now. And it's fine. You can use it to record audiobooks. And I thought that was intriguing. And the I got mine for under $100. And I, I didn't need it, quite frankly, because I already have multiple other microphones. I'm very bad with money. I'm very impulsive with money. It's why I have, I don't even want to name the amount of credit card debt that I have, but man, I'm, this is off topic. Um, what was I talking about? Blue Yeti. So, so my first impression is that I like it. Um, it comes on, it comes attached to like a very sturdy, seemingly sturdy black stand. It's like a fancy stand. It's a big microphone. It's reminiscent of a a penis, if you will. Um, it's it's hefty if you hold it in your hand and caress it. And um, it's it's very dissimilar from like you know a handheld microphone you'd sing into at a karaoke bar or something. It's it's big. It's almost like unnecessarily big. I'm not sure why it's so big. Um, so far I like it. I I am sitting at my desk kind of weird because I am using the stand and not my other microphone boom arm that I, I have become accustomed to. That was my dog, if you heard Callie. And I purchased a pop filter to go over the Blue Yeti, which was an additional like 12 and some $12 and some change. I can still hear some of the plosives coming through, and I apologize for that. But I'm just getting used to this mic. But so far, I, I like it. It's It looks great. Hopefully, it sounds great. Um, 
and we'll see where life takes us. So as I started before, first movie in the movie beat is Moonshot. And I w- almost wanted to make this a main movie episode. But I decided just I'll just talk about it here. Um, it came out in 2022 on HBO Max. I liked Moonshot a lot. Like, my, maybe even disturbingly a lot. My wife and I were scrolling one day on HBO Max and we came across it. I had no really I had no real idea what it was other than the brief description HBO Max gives. I just knew it was an Asian girl and one of the boys from Big Daddy who I will heretofore refer to as Big Daddy. And it appeared to be a rom-com. So we powered it up and it takes a minute for the movie to get going but i just found the movie to be very pleasant and you don't have to think that much about it it was very funny to me i think i found it a lot funnier than my wife did the lady who was the captain of the spaceship she had a lot of shtick going on the shtick was mostly innocuous to me i didn't really laugh but i didn't care but at one point my wife kind of turned to me like what what the fuck is this she didn't find it funny so i'm assuming she enjoyed the movie less than i did but i i just the movie just to me felt so inoffensive and funny and light and lighthearted and the performances were great I don't know. I haven't followed Big Daddy's career since Big Daddy. I know he had the sweet life with Zack and Cody. I have never watched it. Obviously, well, I'm not interested. It's a Disney Channel, I think, show. So I never watched that. So I don't know what his acting is like. I don't know if he's like a Ryan Reynolds situation where every role is the same. If this is the same kind of acting he's been doing since the sweet and Cody Code the sweet life of Zach and Cody days. I can see how that could be construed as annoying or repetitive, but I haven't seen him act, so it didn't bother me. And um, Lana Condor, I didn't recognize. And looking at her filmography, she was in X Men Apocalypse, which I did see, but I didn't recognize her name or her face so i looked at images and i'm like oh well yeah she was jubilee a a role that apparently they kept trying to shoehorn into the movies but she only ended up in i think deleted scenes every time until x-men apocalypse and i well i kind of want to rewatch that whole x-men franchise um but I want to rewatch X Men Apocalypse to see if Jubilee ever uses her powers because I don't remember that at all. Um, I thought the chemistry between them was great. I just really liked the writing. Um, it was very funny, very fast comedic humor, and I just liked it a lot. And 
Zach Braff, for me, has gotten this kind of weird negative reputation just because I think it kind of turned me off when he tried to make that movie on Kickstarter. I think it was called Wish You Were Here. And I remember Veronica Mars raised like $5 million on Kickstarter, and it was the highest grossing Kickstarter at the time, and he tried his hand at Kickstarter, and it only made, I think, under $2 million or maybe just over $2 million. And I remember thinking, you're... You're a rich and famous movie star and TV star. Like, why why do we need to do this? Like, why can't you fund it yourself? And, you know, that's not... I guess that's not really fair for me to say because movies take a lot of money. And, I mean, it's not really fair for me to accuse him. Like, oh, why don't you use your own money? Like, But at the same time, it it did carry some negative connotations and negative feelings. And ever since then, I've kind of been disinterested in his projects. And I watched that movie and I didn't really like it. Wish you were here or whatever. But he came into this movie and he was funny. Like a lot of his lines were funny as well. Like immediately he was like, we knew exactly where where you were and where you were going at all times. And he was funny in it. I just, I I liked the movie a lot. It was, it was just very simple and pleasant. And that's more than I can say about a lot of movies. Some movies try too hard. Some movies are not pleasant to listen to or look at or watch. I will say the, the boyfriend fiance character i think it's cuba gooding's cuba gooding jr's son i don't i've seen him in two movies this movie and i want you back i don't think he's a good actor and in i want you back he had the worst line in the movie when he's having sex in the room and he says like oh it feels like you feels like you and I are the only two people in the world. I I hated that line, worst line in the movie. And I didn't think he was an effective actor in this either. So I don't know the backstory. I don't know how he got this part. I don't know if he pulled, if his father pulled any string. It's not like it's a huge movie. That's not what I'm saying. I'm just saying he is just another one of those nepotism infused actors who will get parts and will get to hone his craft and get opportunities because of who his father is and it's unfair but there's nothing i can do about it and he wasn't terrible i just thought he was not effective in his role but moonshot i liked a lot i recommend it um yes next movie i saw was Candyman. And I don't think I have much to say about Candyman. Candyman 1992, starring Tony Todd and um, Virginia Madsen. As a horror movie, I, I liked it. I thought it was effective. Um, I guess because from the rumblings that I've heard about the new Candyman... I was kind of, in the back of my head, I kept 
kind of looking for the overt commentary and it never really came. And I, I know Virginia Madsen says that one line. She says, like, a black woman was killed and the police don't even come. And a white woman was attacked and they shut the whole building down. Like, there was that line. And then I couldn't find much else. So I feel like I, I personally framed the movie wrong in my mind prior to going into it. Because the flashing images of like that that graffiti mural with the guy with the big mouth and the horror part, horror aspects of it were good and effective. But it didn't really have that much effect on me. Other than Dune, I think it's the first performance I saw of Virginia Madsen and I liked her in it. And Tony Todd was good in it. I think the voice was a little much, but um, I'm not sure if I will see any of the sequels, but I do want to see the new one just because it's a new one, I guess. I don't know. I just realized that this movie beat is going to be a little short, which is fine. Next, I saw Cursed Films Season 2, Episode 3. Stalker. This episode came out in 2022. I saw it on Shudder as I did Candyman. Stalker is a, a movie I have never heard of before. And I saw that it was playing on HBO Max, so I started it. I didn't get very far. The opening scene is very slow. The opening sequence with the opening credits is, I believe they're at a bar. And you can't hear any dialogue or anything, but it's just a static shot of a, a, of a bar and a guy bringing out food to a patron who's sitting at a table. And then the next scene, it goes to a house and it's like a slow zoom into, into a person's house. And the camera can the camera pans very slowly left and right of a family laying in bed and a train a train going by on train tracks. And then the guy starts to like get ready for work, I guess, and then the wife um, chastises him, saying you've you've been away from that world for a long time and now you you want to get into this dangerous job think of your daughter and she starts she's very upset at the husband she starts screaming and like writhing on the floor the volume on my tv was loud and her screaming was so weird sounding i guess because my wife thought I was watching porn. She was like, what are you watching? But I wasn't watching porn. I was watching the beginning of Stalker. Anyway, that's where I stopped it. And I'm like, I don't know if I feel like watching a three-hour movie right now. And the beginning is very slow. So I watched the Cursed Films episode Stalker 
without having watched the movie Stalker. And this the story of the movie is actually pretty interesting, and it it did make me want to go back and watch the movie. Just the three the two two hour forty minute running time is intimidating to say the least. But so Stalker is about I guess this weird forbidden zone that people are not supposed to go into. And so they pay money to these guys named stock, nicknamed stalkers. And the stalkers help them navigate into the forbidden zone. And they try to find a room and they go into the room and they like make a wish or say your dreams and the dreams come true or something like that. That's basically the gist of it. And that gist I mean, it took me 10 seconds to say, but somehow they expanded it to a two-hour, 40-minute movie. And the concept, the story, is interesting, so that's why I want to watch it. And the episode was good. And there's that phrase, art imitates life, life imitates art, where it's like a real-life Chernobyl that happened in 1986, I think. And there's an area in Chernobyl, Pripyat, that is forbidden. And they have people similar, very similar to stalkers who bring them into the area and show them around. So it, it sounds interesting. And I want to watch the movie. And I read that someone, some people compare it to Annihilation. But the writer of Annihilation was like, Annihilation is not any sort of homage to Stalker. It's not related in any way. It's a completely different story. Which, you know, fair enough. But you can't blame people for comparing the two because they are pretty similar. I think this mic is very sensitive. And it can pick up my dog who is behind a closed door. So, I mean, I like this mic. I like the way it sounds. Well, I guess I'll I'll see if I like the way it sounds when I'm when I try to listen to the playback. But I wonder what the appeal really is. If it just looks good, um, I'm not sure why people don't just buy a cheaper dynamic microphone that's less sensitive to outside noises. I don't know. Um, so Stalker, it's good. By the way, I'm drinking a beer called Stella Artois and or Stella Artois. I'm pretty sure it's Stella Artois. I like it. I'm not much of a drinker. I tend to like drinks that are tied to a memory. So I remember when I was living in L.A., my coworker from New York, he bought me some Blue Moon. So that has a that's tied to a good memory. And then later on, my coworker invited me to his home, and he, his wife cooked us turkey burgers, and we drank Stella, and it was nice. And my wife likes Stella also, but I don't know if Stella is a women's drink. Or, or not. 
I always wonder what man what are manly drinks because I have no idea. Literally, I have no idea. I probably shouldn't be admitting that, but I don't know. Um. Next, I watched White Hot: The Rise and Fall of Amber Crombie and Fitch. This came out in 2022, I think days ago, on Netflix. I gotta be honest, um, I've never, never in my life been into Amber Crombie and Fitch. Um, that's, that's something I always find interesting, like, like Firefest. I had never heard of the term Firefest until I watched the documentary and I had never heard of the people or the story involved in bad vegan prior to watching that doc and Amber Crombie and Fitch there's this whole rise and fall story of Amber Crombie and Fitch and I just had no idea so this it had no effect on me you know um people are in the doc saying Jesus Christ, Kelly. People in the dock saying that Amber Crombie and Fitch was for the cool kids. And I just have no re- recollection of it. I was... I was raised in Orange County, California. And I essentially feel like a a white boy, which I don't know if that's right or wrong to say. Um, Because I was raised in like the whitest place on the planet. But as far as docs go, it was fine. Um, Well, the beginning was fine. By the end, I was supremely annoyed with the doc and I kind of hated it. But the first hour was fine. You know, you get the information. And I I had watched it in two chunks. Like the first hour I watched and then I stopped. I had to go to sleep. Then the next day I continued, watched the last half hour. And the biggest question I had, well... Let's talk about the the controversy a little bit. Because the two wongs two wongs. All right, so I looked this up and I, I can't even tell if this is an actual Amber Crombie and Fitch shirt, or if it's a parody. So here's the here's the shirt. It says Wong Brothers Laundry Service 555-Wong. Two Wongs can make it white. Abercrombie and Fitch. So like I don't I don't I personally do don't understand the the outcry for it. Um, so the phrase two wongs can make, uh, like two wongs don't make a white. 
I it's just to me it's more confusing than anything. Two Wongs can make two Wongs don't make a white. Um it's obviously it's a play on words, two wrongs don't make a right. I don't know. For me it's more confusing. But when I saw this image, Wong Brothers Laundry Service, two Wongs can make it white. Am I missing something? Because that to me seems like a genius catchphrase. If you're like, for example, if you're like two Asian brothers who are who own a laundry service, maybe your maybe your last name isn't Wong, but imagine if you are two Asian brothers who are last name Wong. Two Wongs can make it white is a genius catchphrase for a laundry service. Um, I'm not making a joke. I'm not trying to be funny. Um, two Wongs can make it white. That's that's a good, that seems like a good thing. And obviously, for me, it's easy to comment on this now. You know, however many years it is after the fact, twenty years after the fact. So I'm. I don't know. It was just confusing to me. Um, I'm not saying people shouldn't have been upset. I'm just saying me personally, I don't I don't I don't really get it. I don't understand it. And the biggest upsetting thing for me was like they 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 sort of raised the question in the doc a few times, but they don't really get into it. And they posed the question like like the black girl's mom she was like i don't know why you would want to work there and they mention it in the doc but they don't really get into it and then i think it's the muslim girl some of the comments at her were like we don't know why you would even want to work there and that's kind of where my mindset is out and I know some people wouldn't like that but it reminds me of Joe DeRosa's argument you know if there's a restaurant that says you know no Asians allowed why wouldn't you just go to another restaurant rather than protesting and throwing rocks at him and saying this is an outrage this can't this can't be that's kind that's kind of where i lie it's like if if there was a building that says no filipinos allowed here i'd probably just leave and be like okay i'm not welcome there and i don't know all these people in this dock are really patting themselves on the back real hard being like we did the right thing we did what's best and we will go down in history as being on the right side of history. Whereas I think all they did is exert all of this time and effort to make a shitty company slightly less shitty. I mean, that's all That's all I gathered from that. Because I, in my knowledge, have never owned 
an article of clothing by Abercrombie and Fitch. I always I keep wanting to say Abercrombie. And after the watching the doc, I don't want to wear anything by Abercrombie and Fitch. And it doesn't really have a lot to do with what they stand for or what they don't stand for. It's just the it comes down to the clothing. The clothing is not appealing to me. Most of the clothing is, has like in big bold letters it says Abercrombie and Fitch and I've never I've never liked that style of clothing. So my decision is mostly like fashion based, I guess, rather than morals based. Um I don't even like shirts that say Nike. I'd rather it have the logo. That's that's a lot cooler to me or a plain colored shirt that has no visible name on it. But I just I didn't understand what they were standing up for like this company obviously the company did a lot of bad things and they were wrong a lot. But I would rather just shop at a different company. But that's me. There are like 80 billion clothing companies out there. Why I can't imagine my myself be getting angry enough or bothered enough to challenge a company on anything. I'd rather just go to a different clothing company. But again, that's me. And the mo- the most egregious line in the doc Unfortunately, it was by the Filipino guy because I'm Filipino. And I'm paraphrasing because I don't remember. I had to rewind his line, but I don't remember it completely. But he says something like they represent the worst time in history in American history, something like that. But immediately I thought like but wasn't there like slavery and wars and murders and rapes and y'all are acting like these like discrimination is like worse than slavery i hate to take it there but that i'm just being honest that's the first thing i thought of like i can't believe this guy said they represent like the worst times in american history or something like that um discrimination is wrong Yes, the the employee saying, "Oh, we have too many Filipinos on the floor." That's wrong. Yes, as a Filipino, does it upset me? Yes. Does it upset me enough to do anything about it? No. I'd rather go to Target or something. I just feel like all that time and effort exerted was I I I guess I can't say all for nothing. but for me personally i've never owned an article of their clothing i never wanted to and i don't want to now so it's like congratulations you did almost nothing i don't know it i was pretty annoyed by the end of that doc just a lot of people patting themselves on the on the back for doing essentially nothing um There's just a ton of battles to do out there and 
I don't know. I thought it was pretty dumb. That's all I have for the movie Beat. So let's get on to the main segment of the show. Superman 4, The Quest for Peace. So much like Superman 3, I had... I had no memory of this as a child, so I've never. This is my first time viewing it. Um, I had no knowledge of the movie at all. I had knowledge and memories of one and two, but not three and four. So I start watching the movie today, and here are my notes. Um, when I saw John Cryer in the opening credits, I exclaimed out loud, What the fuck? When I saw a story by Christopher Reeve, I said, oh my God, just because I I know him as an actor, I didn't think of him anything further than that in the creative field. The, the sensationalist news reporting accent was aspect was interesting to me because I definitely think it's gotten worse over time. So in the movie, they there's this guy, Warfield, who's printing headlines like Superman tells kid to drop dead or Superman is dead. Things that will basically it reminds me of YouTube printing any headline that will get the click regardless of the value, regardless of the truth, regardless of how it makes the end user feel the main his main goal was to get the click which sucks and it's it's definitely gotten worse with the advent of social media it reminds me of like like the big thing right now like like for example three weeks ago the big news was alec baldwin two weeks ago it was will smith and the slap this week it's Adam, um, Johnny Depp and Amber Heard. And I think I watched maybe one video of Johnny Depp and YouTube is feeding me all of the whole algorithm is suggesting all kinds of videos. And I don't know. It just, it's my own fault for clicking on that video, but like, there's this one video I watched, I think today, or either today or yesterday, but it was such a waste of time. And imagine that, except times 80 billion, where there was no voice in the video. It was all just editing footage, and it was like footage of Johnny Depp and Dakota Johnson doing um, press for Black Mass. And the caption was like, Dakota Johnson noticed that Johnny Depp had injured his finger. So she asked him about it. And clearly he says a joke because she laughs. But then she looks pensively back at him to imply that she doesn't really believe that it was just, there's more to the story. End of video. That's the end of the video. And of course, it got 500,000 views. The internet's, it can be really bad. It can be really draining. It's all 
useless. I mean, this whole podcast episode is in a sense useless. Like, am I helping anyone? Is this valuable to anyone? I don't think so. Anyway, back to Superman 4, the quest for peace. My next note was, why is a teacher asking students if they have any thoughts on the nuclear arms crisis? I thought that was kind of bizarre. But I I had an experience when the I had a history teacher who was trying to tie in 9-11, which happened just that morning, into U.S. history. And I get it. I get it. She was like, this this is a huge event in U.S. history. This is going to be in the books. And it's true, yeah, but I'm like, can't we go home? Can't we have an early dismissal today, even though we were in California and 9-11 happened in New York? We should be home with our families, consoling our families for at least the next 12 years. I think we should all go home early. Anyway, when the villain when the villain came out of the sun, I started laughing because he splurted out of the sun, turned into like a fetus, then a baby, then a full-on man in 2 seconds, complete with a cape and a supervillain uniform. There's there's also like a Three's Company slash Perfect Strangers bit in the middle of this movie where Mariel Hemingway and Margot Kidder have a double date with Superman and Clark Kent, and Superman and Clark Kent have to keep switching back and forth between each other. And I, I actually thought this the scene was kind of funny. Um, my next note is there was a big wall and I, I had assumed it was the China, the great China wall, but I will admit that I wasn't sure upon seeing it, if it was the great China wall or the Berlin wall. And I saw in the end credits that it was the great China wall. But my note is, so the bad guy destroys parts of the Great China Wall. And somehow Superman blue beams the wall back together. I, I don't know how that's possible. He, but he emits some, a blue beam out of his eyes. And somehow puts the wall back, back together. The long nails of the bad guy made me laugh. Because it it's ludicrous. But it reminded me of that. Family Guy episode where Meg had long nails. The the Statue of Liberty flying made me laugh. When old Superman showed up, old sick Superman, I actually exclaimed, oh no, because that was an effective scene and it looked kind of creepy and he looked sickly and old. I loved how... Superman tricked the bad guy into going into the elevator. He pushed him into the elevator where there's no sun. He punches the buttons out so he's locked inside and then he pulls the elevator and then I forget what he did but I thought that part was cool. I thought 
the bad guy having Gene Hackman's voice was kind of goofy. I laughed at the end when he brings John Cryer to the priest and Superman says, this this young man has been under the bad influence of a bad man. Can he be helped? And the priest says, every boy can be helped. <laughs> that made me laugh. Um, that's all the notes I have. So, upon looking at the Wikipedia... There's some notes that um, the film marks the final appearance of Reeve as Superman who agreed to return in exchange for a large salary and a story promoting nuclear disarmament. The Canon Group, the film's producer, suffered a major financial crisis that forced major budget cuts and 40 minutes of footage were deleted after negative test screenings. Upon release, it was it was widely lambasted by critics and fans alike, with many reviewers citing poor special effects, inconsistencies, and plot holes. It is often named one of the worst films ever made. Um, I will say, I don't, I don't agree with that sentiment. I kind of liked the movie. I thought it was enjoyable. I thought it was much better than Superman 3. Um, you know, I I think the worst parts of the movie are some of the effects. Some of the like flying effects look bad. Um, but for me, this is a similar thing that happened with the four Batman movies. So, I watched Batman, liked it. Watched Batman Returns, loved it. Watched Batman Forever, I hated it. And a lot of that has to do with I loved Batman Returns so much. And then the drop-off between Batman Returns and Batman Forever was so steep that I ended up hating Batman Forever. But then Batman and Robin, it's it's almost like, well, Batman Forever was so bad for me. How bad will Batman and Robin will be? And I didn't hate Batman and Robin. I liked it a lot more than Batman Forever because you're going from Batman Forever to Batman and Robin. This is a similar thing where Superman 1 and 2 were great. Superman 3 was such a drop-off. And then Superman 4 was just the last movie in the four-film franchise or whatever you want to call it. I didn't hate it. Um, but, you know, I'm I'm watching this movie. What's 87? Like the... What, 35? Is that right? Like 35 years after the fact. So I think in 87, you know, people are 
they're they're in the thick of it. They want to see Christopher Reeve again. They want to see Margot Kidder. They want to see Gene Hackman. And, you know, if they see it in the theater or whatever, I I can understand being disappointed. But me seeing it at seeing it, but me seeing it at home, I I kind of liked it. Um, I didn't love it. It's not great. A lot of parts were goofy and silly, but it w- it was a lot better than Superman three, in my opinion. I I I really like Christopher Reeve. He is he is the quintessential Superman. Um, no one will ever take that away from him. And I loved seeing Margot Kidder back again. Her role was increased, especially after seeing three, where they reduce her to like a a very short scene in the beginning, and then she goes on vacation, then comes back at the end. And I thought they were gonna do that again in Superman four because she mentions at the beginning that she's planning on going to France, but fortunately her flight was canceled and she stays for the rest of the movie and a lot of the similar themes are there for example like margot kidder kidder almost she has like a kind of a a close friend almost like a brotherly relationship with clark kent and he talks she talks to him that way but as soon as she talks to superman she's like very enamored towards him her voice gets softer, a little deeper, a little more seductive, and it's the complete opposite with Clark Kent. And I I like that type of acting, and it was it was like a throwback to the Superman one and two. And well, I'm also appreciating it, thirty five years after the fact, knowing that this is the last superman with all those classic characters you know margot kidder's dead christopher reeve is dead um and if they weren't they would be very old at this point so obviously there is a soft spot soft spot in my head in my heart knowing that this is the last superman film with those actors in it. And I didn't think it was one of the worst movies at all. I I think that's ridiculous. Um if anything 3 might um hold that spot. And I I guess I didn't hate 3, but 3 had ridiculous parts like the video game part and the crosswalk characters. But I didn't. I really didn't hate four. I I kind of liked it. It it was kind of trying to do a similar thing to one and two. But you, you know, they had a major budget cuts. John Cryer was a weird addition to the franchise. Um. It was great seeing Gene Hackman in there again, too. I'm kind of surprised that he agreed to do number four, but he didn't do three. Um, so I liked it. Um, 
it's it's just a shame that that's that's the last one it's number four and it's just they kind of went out with a whimper if you will but yeah i guess i'm just kind of sad i don't really know what else to say i do want to say before i sign off that it it was really nice to revisit these four films and i i'm glad that i i'm glad that i own the the four movies on blu-ray the the four movie set and i i wish i had spoken about this before but i didn't talk about the christopher and dana reeve foundation i i don't think i mentioned it in one two or three but i'm mentioning it in four so the christopher and dana reeve foundation is a charitable organization headquartered in new jersey short hills dedicated to finding treatments and cures for paralysis caused by spinal cord injury and other neurological disorders. Um, I believe it was formerly called the Christopher Reeve Foundation, and then Dana Reeve died, so they changed it to the Christopher and Dana Reeve Foundation. You can check out ChristopherReeve.org to learn more about the Christopher and Dana Reeve Foundation. And as of 2020, all three of Christopher and Dana Reeve's children serve on the foundation's board of directors. So check that out. I hope that people like like what I did, I hope people still watch these movies and carry on his legacy because Christopher Reeve was a, he was, I've, I've mentioned it throughout these four episodes, but he's like a really great actor. And to me, it was like seeing three sides of him. Obviously Clark Kent and Superman, their auras are different. His vocal inflections are different. As Clark Kent, he stutters a lot. He's a bumbling buffoon. Superman, he's more straightforward, more to the point. He's more confident. And then when I saw him in documentaries, it was almost like a third person. Like, I almost didn't recognize his voice. Like, that's how much of a performance he's putting off in these movies. And it's just it's just sad that he died way too soon. Then Margot Kidder puts on a heck of a performance. She died way too soon. I was sad she died, I don't know, six, seven years ago maybe. Um, eight maybe. Um, so I hope people can discover these movies and continue to praise what they did you know christopher donner's gone too as well and it's hard to say what super superhero movies would look like today if it wasn't for superman one and two 
there's there's no really way to see to see it because that's how history played out but i hope people discover those movies and appreciate them so that's all i got it's very hot in this room um i can't turn on the fan because this mic is very sensitive but i'm going to stop the recording i'm going to turn on the fan and to take a huge old swig of ice cold water thanks for listening i hope everyone is well um take care of each other take care of yourself um that's all i got stay odd and keep on playing